The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on inspiring and informing people to live well with cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House. I'm the president of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered in more than 170 locations now worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. There are several types of cancers that we hear about quite often, whether it's on the news, through daily conversation, or because of a devoted awareness month. But there are also many other types of cancer affecting people all over the world that many of us have never even heard of. A lack of awareness is just one of the problems facing people who are living with a rare type of cancer. And because of advances in science, there are becoming more of these rare types of cancers. On this episode today, we will learn more about life with a rare type of cancer from two guests who are working tirelessly to raise awareness and provide resources to people who are, in fact, living with a variety of rare types of cancer. So on our show today will be... Guest number one, Giovanna Mbasi, who will um, speak to us about her experience founding the Los Angeles Society Carcinoid Neuroendocrine Tumor Society. That's a mouthful, but we'll learn a lot more about that in the next few minutes. Um, Giovanna is a successful classical pianist, composer, and producer. And at the age of 47, Giovanna was diagnosed with a very rare cancer called the Carcinoid Neuroendocrine Tumor or NETS, N-E-T-S. Upon being diagnosed, Giovanna wanted to increase awareness of her disease and also to the needs of people who are impacted by this type of rare cancer. So, Giovanna, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Linda, for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be on the show and also to support the work you do with the cancer support community. Well, thank you. And our, our, our second guest today will be Rick Gadotti, who will join for the last segment. And we'll hear about some interesting things Rick is doing also to raise awareness through art. And I think it's interesting that the two of you have that connection in the way in which you are elevating um, awareness around rare cancers. Um, Giovanna, let's start with you. And why don't you start by telling our listeners about your story? You know, what led to your diagnosis? And, you know, just walk us through that. Sure. Well, uh, neuroendocrine cancer has a very high misdiagnosis rate 
And I was one of those people who had some symptoms that really were not clear. Um, I was getting some abdominal cramping that was so extreme I would have to go to the emergency room. And this continued for a period of about six years uh, where I would intermittently go to the ER and um, have, uh, they would give me some morphine and send me home. And um, so for a period of about six years, from 1999 to 2005, um, I had these symptoms that would come up intermittently, but no diagnosis. Um, and finally, a doctor suggested doing a scan, a CT scan, and at that point, um, they saw something in my small intestine and also my liver. Uh, so that was what began the process of trying to get a diagnosis. And at that point, we did a, a liver biopsy, which confirmed carcinoid neuroendocrine cancer. Mm-hmm. And first of all, before we go into your type of cancer, tell us how you are doing today. I'm uh, feeling really great. Thank you. Uh, I'm fortunate. Uh, I've had some really great doctors and um, received some good treatment uh, after several surgeries back in 2005. Um, but I'm feeling very well, and it's, it's, I've found it to be a manageable disease. Great. So, so tell us about neuroendocrine tumors. You've now turned your life into creating an organization to raise awareness and support patients through their experience. So tell us about this type of cancer. Well, this cancer is not widely known, although I think it's becoming more common. Um, it's still a rare disease, and neuroendocrine is, unlike some other cancers which are uh, occur in a specific organ, neuroendocrine can occur from any of our uh, neuroendocrine cells, and the most common place is in the small intestine, um, although the pan- pancreas is another place. Um, we call those pancreatic neuroendocrine, uh, which is what Steve Jobs had, and uh, also the lung and several other places. It's normally a slow-growing tumor, which is one of the reasons that uh, the misdiagnosis is happening and then it's not caught until it's metastasized to the liver. Um, but in some cases, it can be more aggressive, although that's more rare. Mm-hmm. And so, so talk to us about, you know, when you were first diagnosed, you know, when you hear this term, neuroendocrine tumors, um, you know, what, what sort of goes through your mind? You know, we're after, a, you know, I think it was a six-year period of time that you said you were experiencing problems before you received your diagnosis. Were you... Were you thinking about cancer? How, how did that all, all land with you? Uh, I, well, I was definitely not thinking about cancer. Um, the symptoms were intermittent enough that I, and I was at 47, I didn't really think about any kind of serious disease. Um, so it was really a shock to hear the cancer word. I think anyone who hears that word, it, it's a shock. Your world just stops. Um, and it, you know, it didn't, at that point, people were, the doctors were telling me, well, you're lucky that it's carcinoid, um, because it is generally a slower growing cancer. Um, I think having something that's rare just takes a lot of research and understanding. So I was pretty much in shock, um, 
and it just sort of everything goes into slow motion. Um, I realized that the biggest thing I needed to do for myself was to learn how to be a patient advocate for myself. Um, when you have something rare, it's so important to have the right information. And that, so that's become really a research project over this, these years. Mm-hmm. And so um, to help our listeners who may be um, in a period of being diagnosed with, with any cancer, really, um, but specifically uh, a, a rare cancer, what are some of the lessons that you've learned through, you know, your experience of being, you know, misdiagnosed and eventually diagnosed with a rare cancer? You know, what, what advice would you give them as they're just beginning their journey? I think one of the most important things to do is to get to a specialist for that specific type of cancer. Uh, especially when it's a rare cancer. Um, so in my case, I was seeking out a neuroendocrine cancer specialist, and um, it took a while to get to find that person. Um, and the way that happens was by going to a conference, um, specifically uh, for patients, a patient ed- education conference, And the first step of that was going to a support group. And that's when I met other patients who um, could share with me their journey, what they had been through, and I could benefit from all the years of experience that they had to offer. And how did you find your, how did you find that resource? I think just asking around, um, I may have found the group online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't honestly remember how I found them, but I was so thankful to um, find them. And the first time I walked into that group, and there were about 20 people there, and it was the first time I had ever met someone who had carcinoid cancer. And they all looked pretty good and very much alive, and it gave me so much hope to be able to be part of that group. And how do you think living with um, a rare form of cancer generally differs from living with a cancer that may be more well-known? That's a great question. I I think that when you have something rare, it's so misunderstood and there's not a lot of information. Uh, My personal experience has been, you know, for someone with a more well-known cancer, Um, it's more known to the public and and to friends, and they have a reference point. So, for example, with breast cancer, people know more about um, what someone might go through, and so uh, quite often people will say, but you're in remission, right? And that's not true. In most cases, neuroendocrine cancer patients don't have remission. We're always living with some degree of disease that we're managing. And so that misunderstanding is can be a little difficult. A lot of neuroendocrine tumor cancer patients live many, many years. So it might be confusing to someone how you could be alive so many years yet still be actually living with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that you, you phrase that of not having a reference point. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And so could you give us a, a, a bit of a sample? I know that we'll be moving into the, to break in just a couple of minutes, but um, you know, before we come back from break, and we're going to talk a lot about your organization and what you've been doing to really um, help support patients through their, their journey. But you know, generally, when you think about people who have a rare form of cancer, you know, in addition to what you, you've talked about, what are some of the greatest needs and concerns that you find in talking with others who are also living with um, a rare form of cancer? I think the biggest question for people, um, newly diagnosed patients, um, is finding a neuroendocrine cancer specialist, uh, an actual center of excellence. This is a disease that really requires a multidisciplinary team. It's not just the oncologist um, because it involves the endocrine system. We work with an endocrinologist. There's often a surgeon involved the radiologist for all of our imaging and scanning. Um, the nutrition is, plays a very large part in this disease because it's often associated with the digestive tract. So uh, we are managing symptoms. There's something called um, carcinoid syndrome. So it's so important to be working with a doctor and a team that are familiar with all of this and also have access to the latest information on um, research and treatments. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. We are going to run to a quick commercial break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, NovoCure, and Taiho Oncology. We finished our first segment on living with rare cancers with Giovanna Mbasi, who is the founder of the Los Angeles Society of Carcinoid Endocrine Tumor Society. And we will be back with Giovanna right after the break. But I also want to mention that following in our second um, half of the show, we'll be joined by a gentleman named Rick Goddotti, who is an award-winning photographer and has turned his lens literally to photographing people who are living with rare cancers through a nonprofit organization called Positive Exposure. So you'll want to stay with us for both of those pieces right after this commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. 
This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am your guest host today, Linda House. I'm the President of the Cancer Support Community and our our regular host, Kim Tibolo, will be back with you next week. And um, I'm really excited today because we are taking a little time to literally shine a light on rare cancers. And we're doing so in, in two ways. Our, our guest here for the first half of the show is Giovanni Mbasi, who is the founder of the Los Angeles Carcinoid Neuroendocrine Tumor Society. And then we are joined by Rick Godotti, who will be with us in the, the third segment, who has taken his work as a uh, as a fashion photographer and is now doing photography of individuals who are living with rare cancers. So both individuals doing incredible things to help uh, raise awareness of, of patients living with, with rare cancers. Giovanna, we had talked in the last segment about your personal diagnosis and how that has led to really you revisioning your life and, and starting a, a new organization. Um, I'm going to give our listeners uh, a warning that we will give them the website um, address. So if they would like to grab a a pen and a piece of paper. We'll give them the, the website address in just uh, a few a few minutes. But can you just spend some time telling us about your organization and the mission? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Uh, so, as you said, the the name is a mouthful. Uh, 
which is why we go by the acronym. So the Los Angeles Carcinoid Neuroendocrine Tumor Society is uh, LACNETS, L-A-C-N-E-T-S. And NETS is a general shorthand we use to refer to the disease and to the patients. Um, So I founded the organization because I found that some of the questions that I was asking myself that I was trying to find answers to were also questions that other patients had. And there's such a need with a rare disease for education. Um, We're always seeking more information on what is the latest research, what are the latest clinical trials, um, as well as really offering a community. Um, So the mission is to create, um, support the patients through education, um, awareness, and support of the disease. And we do that through um, mostly our monthly patient education seminars in Los Angeles, which are also videotaped and then available worldwide on our website. Um, and we, we do a lot of work connecting patients. Um, we like to, it's, it's a place in my, my experience that I shared, a place to meet other patients who have this rare thing that you just found out about and to be able to share um, in a space that's safe and where someone really understands what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And tell us um, to date, you know, what are some of the, the successes or what, is, what have been your impacts uh, so far since founding the organization? Well, the organization has really grown. It, it started about four years ago, and um, since then we've grown tremendously, and uh, it's really become a hub in Los Angeles for patients uh, as you know, Los Angeles is a very large area, so we have patients coming from every, all directions, really, as far as San Diego and Palm Springs, and hmm. um, it's a place that people know they're going to get um, really current and specific expertise for neuroendocrine tumors. And so, um, so tell us a little bit about about the format and the way in the way that you you do your work. Do you have a panel of experts that would come in and speak to the patients? Um, all of the above, peer to peer. All of the above. So we we offer a really connection to a community, and that can be um, hugs and um, just friendships. A lot of new friendships that happen. Um, but mostly it's education and awareness. So we, uh, at each of our meetings, and we do a, a large annual conference every June, um, which is a full-day event, and then the monthly event. At each one, we have a physician or neuroendocrine tumor specialist speaking on some aspect of the disease. And that ranges all the way to insurance. Um, there's a lot of um, issues with financial concerns for patients as they're going through this and big change in their life, what I like to call the new normal. And um, people really need support in all different areas of their life, especially since this is something that may go for many, many years. In my case, it's been 11 years now. And that's something we say it's not, it's not a sprint. Uh, you know, we're in this for the long haul. 
So that requires some other management skills to be able to live with something that's really a chronic disease. So do you do you find a mix of um, of your constituents being those who have been living with it as a chronic disease, and then also people who are newly diagnosed? Absolutely, and one of my favorite things to do, which is um, especially at our large conference where we have you know over two hundred people that are patients and caregivers. Um, we like to ask people, you know, how many people were newly diagnosed and you see the hands go up? Uh, how many people in the last five years and you see the hands go up? How many people who've been living with this for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? And the last meeting I was at, um, there were two people who were 24 years and 27 years. And wow. I mean, for me, even at 11 years, that just gives me chills. It, it's, it's just so much hope to see that somebody has survived this for that many years, you know, over two decades. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to repeat something because I think it's it's really important. Um, in, in the previous segment, you said that it's important that people with a rare cancer have access to experts. We know um, through our work at the Cancer Support Community and others' work that it's important that people have, ex- have access to community. And I think it's very impressive that you have a, a, a large annual meeting where you've got 200 people that gather and you offer both of those things. Yeah, we're really been growing in that respect. And um, the first, so I was diagnosed in 2005. The first large conference I went to was in 2006. And I'm telling you, walking into a room of 200 people who are all about this rare thing that you have is pretty uplifting. And I, and I really want to mention the caregivers um, because they play such an important role in um, our survival um, and, and our support. And the caregivers themselves need support um, for being um, there uh, really all the time. And so the, the conference um, that we're having this year will be live streaming for the first time. And we really are getting, uh, even with the monthly groups, viewers from around the world um, based on the experts that we present. That's terrific. So why don't we, why don't we pause here and um, give our listeners the website address so that they would know how to find you if they would be interested in, in joining you in June? Absolutely. Yeah. If anyone would like more information, they can contact us at www.lacnets.org, and that's L-A-C-N-E-T-S. We're also on Facebook, uh, Lacnets, and also on Twitter, at Lacnets. Great. And we will make sure that we repeat that right before we, uh, right before we end, end these segments. Um, so, so when you think about what we can all do, right, our listeners, the cancer support community, others that are involved in, in our particular mission, you know, what can we all do to help raise awareness of rare cancer types, including neuroendocrine tumors, but, but you know, helping deal with some of the things that you had mentioned? We're really looking to brand uh, neuroendocrine tumors so that the general public knows about it. And um, there have been some major um, names who have had neuroendocrine cancer, and we want to make sure, for one thing, that that gets reported accurately in the news. 
um, that it is reported as neuroendocrine, especially with pancreatic type of neuroendocrine. A lot of times it's um, just thought to be pancreatic cancer, which is an entirely different disease. Um, so uh, working with journalists and the public to really spread awareness, uh, I think a lot of patients are more willing to speak up and the cancer support community plays a huge role in helping us do that. Great. Well, we're happy to do it. Happy to do anything that we that that we can do. And I'll just quickly because you you know you mentioned caregivers. I'll I'll throw a plug in for um, some of the work that we're doing. You know, we have a cancer experience registry where patients um, are invited to share with us their experience with cancer, and we share back with the community what we learn uh, from that. We also have a caregiver registry, so we are collecting the the thoughts of the caregiver as they are going through their own experience with cancer by way of their their loved ones. So I would just encourage um, your your constituents and our listeners to to join that. The web address is cancerexperienceregistry.org. And the more we learn, the more we, and I think about the collective we, your, your organization included, know how we can better serve patients with rare cancers. Absolutely. So before, yeah, the caregivers, we couldn't do it without them. Yeah, that's right. Um, as we as we just close out our second segment here, we have a little, um, right around a minute. So could you just think about what you might want to leave our listeners with? You know, what advice do you have for anyone who may be in a similar situation, dealing with a sudden diagnosis, caring for someone who may have just received a diagnosis of a cancer that there's not a lot of information about, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I think the most important thing is to listen to your body. And if you feel that something is not right, you have to be persistent. And even if you don't get an answer from the first doctor you see, you have to persist and, and um, be your own advocate. It's the most important thing, especially with our disease where we see so much misdiagnosis. If someone feels like they're just not getting the right answers, that it's okay to go get a second opinion. And um, that has saved the lives of so many patients I've spoken with. That's great advice. Gianna, thank you, number one, for being um, a guest on our show today, and more importantly, for the work that you're doing to help serve other patients like you who are living with neuroendocrine tumors. Very impressive. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We have got to take another quick commercial break. When we return, we'll be back with our second guest, Rick Guidotti, who is the fashion photographer who is now turning his lens literally on people who are living with rare cancers through his nonprofit organization called Positive Exposure. Please join us right after this commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, 
how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. This is Linda House. I'm the president of the Cancer Support Community, and your guest host today is Kim is away. Today's show is sponsored in part by Taiho Oncology and Celgene. And we have such a treat in, in store for you for the second half of the show. We are talking about rare cancers today and some of the unique challenges that, that patients and families face um, associated with rare cancers. But for this next half of the show, we are joined by Rick Guadati, who is an award-winning photographer, and Rick has, in fact, turned his lens, literally, to people who are living with rare cancers and other rare um, diseases. And 
you know, through the work of his nonprofit organization, Positive Exposure, he's been able to really shift the way that people see the cancer experience. So, Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to hear about, about your work. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to speak with you. So why don't you, why don't you level set everyone and start off by telling us about your background and what led you to create Positive Exposure? Sure. Sure. Yeah, several years ago, I'm mean, operating as a fashion photographer based in New York City, but uh, also living in Milan and Paris several years and, and working with um, some of the most amazing models in the world as great clients and just traveling constantly and taking photographing some of the most beautiful people on the planet. So I was told, because I was always told who was beautiful. You know, as an artist, I never saw beauty just on covers of magazines. I see beauty everywhere. So I was, but I was always told who was beautiful and, and beauty was only found on covers of magazines. So I actually spotted a young woman waiting for a bus in New York City uh, after a huge casting that I was created for Elle magazine. And this girl was so beautiful she had her, but she had white, white, white hair. She had pale skin. She had a, a genetic condition called albinism, or albino was the common term that I knew. She was so beautiful, never allowed in the beauty standard, though. So I started doing more exploring about finding, trying to find photographs of this beautiful girl or people with this condition anywhere, and I could only find traditional medical photographs in medical textbooks and encyclopedias, always depicting not only albinism, but many other rare genetic conditions and cancers, all the picked it the same way. It was always a, an image of a disease, image of a diagnosis, always someone in their underwear up against walls in doctor's offices with those black bars across their eyes. And I instantly was aware of the lack and the missing humanity in those images. And that's I started Positive Exposure to create opportunities to make sure that we see first and foremost a person, the humanity, and the disease, and not the disease or diagnosis. And to create opportunities for the individuals themselves to see beauty in their own reflection, to see and to celebrate their, their differences and, and to embrace their difference, but also to have a voice and a platform to be seen and to be heard. And that started Positive Exposure with a Life magazine cover story several years ago, and then and then uh, started off with albinism, but it really very quickly lent itself to many other genetic, physical, intellectual, and developmental differences worldwide. So it's a global organization, and teaming up and, and always creating opportunities to really hear and see that person, not the disease. So, so talk to us a little bit about about that transition. You know, when you go from you know the the fashion industry, which is very glamorous, very high energy, to sure. a, a, an area that may not have you know those same those same types of, of of characteristics or thoughts that go behind that. So, what was that transition well, like for you, and how has that changed you? It's wonderful that you say that because it's 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 funny. I, I've you know I've always been a photographer specifically to see beauty to capture beauty. I have never photographed a rare cancer or a genetic condition. I've always only photographed beauty. I've always only photographed humanity, even as a fashion photographer. So that transition, there wasn't any. For me, as I'm doing, exa- I'm photographing exactly the same way. I'm not, it's the, the, there is so much glamour. There's so much in, in humanity and passion and beauty. It's all exists there, but we're only allowed to see it in the fashion industry. So I've taken the, the, the mission of positive exposure is to really create opportunities for all of 
of us to change the way that we see ourselves and to change the way communities see anyone with any kind of a difference, to really challenge that stigma, but really kind of creating the philosophy of change how you see, see how you change. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, is how have you used your talents from the fashion industry to help your new clients really get in that space and see the beauty that you and others see in them? And it's so exciting. Starting from the very first person that walked into my studio to be photographed, she walked in, she was a young woman with albinism, but she walked in, she was with her head down, her shoulders hunched, no eye contact. This kid had been teased, abused, and bullied every day because of her difference. The stigma surrounding her difference was so great that it left her with zero self-esteem. And I'm thinking, how am I going to photograph this beautiful young woman? She's so vulnerable. But at the same time, I just, you know, it was a huge shoes on my, on the set in the studio, and I, I figured out of respect for her, I'm going to photograph her like I would, and I continue to do this, photograph any supermodel. So it's fans and music, and literally held up a mirror to Christine's face, that was her name, held it up to her face and I said, Christine, look at yourself. You're magnificent. And this person, this kid looked in the mirror and saw for the first time that beautiful reflection. And then all of a sudden, her hands went on her hips, her head went in the air, and she lit up. She exploded with a smile that literally lit up New York City. And that's the philosophy, and that's the technique. And and it's it's not me just saying, oh, you're beautiful. It's like, here, look. And it really provides an opportunity. And I'm showing, as we're photographing in the early days, is with Polaroids, but now all these, the miracle, the miracle of digital. It's like, we're able to show right there and then, like, look at you. I'm not kidding. You're stunning. And it's, it's, it's freeing. It's, their freedom there is allowing that person to really see and where they belong and how they, they're, you know, they're amazing and celebrated. And once that happens and once that change happens, you stay enlightened. And it really does then becomes opportunities become, you know, all based on the philosophy that self-acceptance equals self self-esteem equals self-advocacy. Once you think there's this empowerment and this embracing oneself, then they become these incredible advocates, changing the way the world sees their difference, challenging stigma one person at a time. That's amazing. And and I've seen a number of your pieces, and they are truly beautiful. Your your subjects are truly beautiful. It's so much fun to be part of this. It's such an honor. It's such an honor to then take these images and create, and not take these images, because we collaborate on every photograph, but to, to, to take the exhibition itself and then present it. These gorgeous, amazing ambassadors present them to the world, providing not only visibility, but also a voice, and starting really unique and amazing conversations that are ongoing, and they're global. So tell us a little bit about your most recent exhibit, Rare Cancer Illuminated, A View from Within. Um, just, sure. just you free flow and talk to us about, uh, about that. Sure. I, you know, I work very closely with Beck Salto of the division of Shard to identify incredible ambassadors. Some of our ambassadors are are you know, are, are survivors of a, of a very rare cancer, or they're or they're, they're um, advocates, or they're family members, or they're they're they're, they're you know, they have experienced in their lives cancers, rare rare cancers, and we realize in all these incredible voices out there, but they're such rare cancers. We thought, wouldn't it be incredible if we brought them together? 
together and really kind of raised our visibility, raised their voices, creating opportunities globally for, for uh, to, to build this platform, this, to build this visibility. So through Beck, Salta, and Shire, we identified these amazing individuals. We brought them all into the, and, and I actually traveled globally, traveled around the world taking photographs, and met these families and these, and these individuals and these advocates and these ambassadors who had something to say, and they had something really powerful to say, but we thought we'd say it through photography and then through narrative, but really creating opportunities for a different conversation, a different opportunity to have a different platform to speak from. So we photographed these individuals, and again, celebrating their uniqueness, celebrating their disability, celebrating their differences, but not photographing cancer or photographing real cancer. What we did, and this was the directive always, and always through positive exposure, is to celebrate their diversity, but celebrate their strengths, who they are, and highlight those, and then put them on a platform where they can have an opportunity to then start this dialogue, this new conversation across, around the world, but in, in situations that we're not, that people are not comfortable talking about rare cancers, not comfortable about seeing rare cancers. So now we're presenting these gorgeous faces, these beautiful people, these energies, these enthusiastic powerhouses. They are, they're amazing. And then giving, and then we're bringing them to, 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 you know, to, to communities where people are being introduced to these beautiful people, these incredible, uh, passionate, enthusiastic ambassadors. And then they're listening. They're listening to their stories. They're reading about them. They're hearing about them. They're realizing that even though they're made this is a rare cancer and that's always so often considered the other, all of a sudden we're realizing we're, we have so much to share, so many similarities. Where it's, and it's, we're, again, building this. This is a human movement that we've created here, and it's, and it's a movement that's growing daily, and it's, and, it's, it's, you know, and it's happening through photography, through utilizing the art, but also the narrative and the strengths of all of our incredible ambassadors. Mm-hmm. This I is fantastic. About that story. I'm, sorry. I'm really excited about this. And if you've seen the exhibit, and it's just, it's so powerful. And I, and everybody has a story. And to, to watch, to hear, and when we're presenting this, the, the images to so many of our friends and, and people that are not really even part of the, the rare cancer communities are actually just, they're like and so involved and engaged. And they all, and, and, and what happens is the images are on really highly reflective surfaces. So as you approach these, images, you're also aware of, of your own reflection. So people start sharing their own stories, and it becomes this huge human movement of people realizing that we have so much more in common. Let's start talking. Great. We are going to go to a quick commercial break, and we're going to pick up right, right. where we've left off here to better right. understand you know, this particular exhibit and, and how people can learn about it and, and actually sure. see and, and, and be a part of it. So we will be right. right back after this commercial break with Rick and the Rare Cancer Illuminated, Illuminated Project. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia, Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back from the commercial break. Today's episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer is sponsored in part by EMD Serono and Takeda. And we are so fortunate to be joined by Rick Guadati, who is an award-winning fashion photographer, but has refocused his artistic vision over the past 15 years to really expose beauty in all people in a number of, of situations um, and um, those who have different health conditions. And so, Rick, we were, we were talking right before the break. You were explaining the Rare Cancer Illuminated Project. And I would love for sure. you to just share a little bit more about how do you find the folks who are participating? How do you know where to take them? You know, what is their backdrop? How do you really pull out their personalities? Just tell us more about that. 
It's always so important to create a very safe environment, number one, to make sure it's a very safe environment, bringing friends and family also to be part of the photo shoot. It's, we photograph families and, and, and coworkers and people all together, and there's always the ooing and aahing. The way that we identify, so, it, so the, the areas, it really depends on that person or where we're going to be photographing. All I need is beautiful, natural light, and then we just go to town and have a blast that way. The way that we identify our amazing ambassadors and our models is actually with this particular program is as we actually could um, Baxalta and Shara have a really unique ex- uh, uh, um, uh, uh, relationship with a lot of their the people that they serve and so they went went they canvassed there through and talked to them and said this is a new project that we're working on and and then people volunteered to be part of this so it was all like we that's great and we do that and, and we just started taking photographs that way uh, and really telling their unique stories I mean the, the prerequisite here were were people that you know have a very unique story and have you know something to say but have are involved in these in the rare cancer experience and and really wanted to find out a way that we can create this global exhibit that would then really kind of join forces with all of us together so the voices aren't so singular the voices become almost in unison and we grow in unison as you know as a as again as a human movement so we were just kind of and and the exhibition we just started with just a a, a few of our incredible ambassadors but that's our intention is for that to grow the the, the beginning exhibit is is the is the seed and and it will attract and it will and, and it invites more and more and more ambassadors that be part of this to tell their stories, but but not just to tell their stories, because we're creating an atmosphere for a new dialogue, a new conversation through the arts, through photography, through part of this whole expression, and really kind of talking that way, and then creating these this all this platform for, of course, visibility and a voice. But it really is based. It started based on the Bexhalter and, and Shire relationship with with their clients and their community, and then taking it into positive exposures. Uh, positive exposure community as well. So we really kind of just grow, and, and our intention is just to get, this shit, This is a human movement, and this will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about the reaction that people have when they, feed, when they see the final, their, their final images. How do you, how do you reveal well, that to them, and, and what is their response? Well, they're all very much part of the, but again, I'm never stepping in and taking a photograph. We're always collaborating on the image. So Mm -hmm. during the whole photography process, that person that's being photographed or the model or the ambassador is very much aware of how we're shooting, what we're looking. We're looking at photographs together as, as we're shooting, as we're taking photographs. And then the final piece, we were at ASCO recently in Chicago where we launched the premiere of the exhibit. And they were, and, and of course, Taylor, who's one of our incredible, um, ambassadors was there and she had a, a huge photograph and she was so beautiful and it's, it's and, and so proud to be part of that and and just it's just incredible to see that moment but it's not just it's just it's not just empowering the individual being photographed it's empowering their families that are so much involved in their in their struggle in their challenges it's involving their community and across the board so often they're very much involved in the various challenges of rare cancers so it's a celebration for everyone and it's and it's a big big party 
<laughs> it's incredible, and it's and it's and it starts the dialogue, and people and there are, it's a brand new conversation. We just launched a new book that's a, a, a positive exposure book that is for, it's for fifty different rare genetic conditions, but at the same time, it's one massive party. It's one image. It's the same philosophy about challenging stigma, but celebrating the beauty and richness of human diversity, making sure that we see never the disease always the person mm-hmm. and, and what, what sort of feedback have you received from your your peers oh at first they just thought like well what are you doing <laughs> well, our very first exhibition in New York City was at the, the lobby gallery of Condé Nast which is Chris's Vogue and Allure and GQ and so there's a, there's a, there's a, a support there but it's there's not it's there's still you know we're still moving product I think and that's I think the the beauty of this unattainable the idea of this unattainable beauty and and the the, the iconization of that famous person is is all about you know they're selling product as well and I think that it's important that we're not just selling product here that we're we're also making sure that we recognize see and and envision humanity and the beauty of that richness and the beauty of that diversity. And so they, so they, 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 the modeling, the modeling, the fashion industry is growing and moving towards it, but it's it's slow going, <laughs> it's slow going. But it's at the same time. I think it's. I think we're all very much aware, and not too many of us are fooled any longer by that that perfect image of that perfect model on the on that perfect cover of the magazine. I think we're all starting to realize that that's there's a lot of hair and makeup and a lot of prep time and on that a lot of retouching went into that. These images are not retouched. These are images, and once but once you see that beauty, it just comes and it just it glows and it lights up cities and villages and countries, and it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, so often you hear things about like the stigma and there's there's the negativity that's associated with certainly with rare cancers. And when you start that dialogue and you see this this you know this illumination of of these, these incredible ambassadors and you hear their stories, or things change. And once you shift and that shift in that in your perspective and your you become enlightened and you stay enlightened. It doesn't shift back. And then you yourself, as just an audience or an intended someone who's viewing the exhibit, you then become part of this advocacy program where you then start seeing and, and it becomes your way of life and you start talking about it and your dialogues change and we're all ready for this unique conversation and these brand new conversations and these grand, brand new platforms to start these talks. Mm-hmm. So in the two minutes we have before we end oh, the sorry. show, I would love for you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about positive exposure and see your work. Sure. And then what else is planned for the Rare Cancer Illuminated exhibit in case there's an opportunity for them Wonderful. to come and see it in person. Wonderful. Well, uh, you know, if you find out more information about positive exposure, of course, the best way would be uh, visiting us at on our website, which is positiveexposure.org. We will have a link once, um, very shortly, uh, showing all of our incredible ambassadors from this amazing exhibition, The Rare Cancer Illuminated. Um, and, and it's all there. Also, social media, positive exposure uh, on Facebook and uh, positive expo. You can follow us on Twitter. and uh, But it's all, it's all there. And the information will be there 
there and the exhibition itself we're we're looking at um just judging the re- and looking and evaluating the response to the exhibition that we launched in the premiere of it at ASCO and now we have and we're just kind of now identifying new ambassadors and where we're going to go and how we're going to make this even more global but the exhibition itself will we're just kind of estimating right now and determining where it's going to go and because when we're as it's traveling it's going to be growing and it's a, and in a very exciting way and it's going to be growing and bringing and and, be, and really kind of become the impetus for this human movement that's really going to change the way we look at rare cancers and really celebrating all of our amazing ambassadors and the ambassadors that will be inspired by this exhibition as it grows so we're going to start on the website it's actually it, it, it launched at ASCO and now we're just determining where it would be the best way for it to really become this global movement Great. Rick, thank you so much for, first, oh, the work honor. that you're thank doing. You. First and foremost, the work that you're doing is amazing. Thank you for oh, that. Thank you. And then thank you for joining us today. And for our listeners, just to repeat what you said, to learn more about positive exposure and to learn more about the Rare Cancer Illuminated Gallery, visit www.positiveexposure.org. We're going to close our show today. This is Linda House. It was nice to stand in for Kim today. I appreciate you joining me. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support. If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org to find a location near you, or please call our toll-free Cancer Support Helpline at one 888 793-9355 to speak with one of our licensed mental health professionals Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Until the next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.